If you'll uh, welcome her as she makes her way up. <laughs> Tanya Frost. That's a little scary, I'll be honest. You tried to sneak up here, didn't you? Yeah. No? Yeah. That's okay. Good morning. I know I'm not Andrew, I'm a little shorter. So don't tell him that I lowered his selector down. Let him figure it out next week. All right, it drives him crazy when he walks up and it's at his waist. But I can't see when it's up here, so we have to make do. So for those of y'all that don't know me, I'm Tanya. I am the children's pastor here. And I'm a little high strung. So I will be moving about. I use my hands a lot. And I will probably ask questions, which I anticipate a response. So, Jesus is always an acceptable answer. I'm good with that. So, I am finishing up the series on David after God's own heart. So, Andrew has taken us through four weeks. So, we saw David in his unfailing and unfaltering faith when he stopped by the river, picked up the five stones made it to where Goliath was and was ridiculing all the army people were like, what is wrong with you? Took the stone, whapped him one good time, and down Goliath came. Unfailing faith. The second week we talked about his courageous love and how we need to walk in that love as well. Then we hit the hard week, sin. The choice, the decision, and the consequence. Good, bad, or ugly, the consequence is coming based on that decision and that choice we're faced with. And then last week we talked about his loving kindness and how that we should love others even when it's not deemed socially acceptable. And he brought in the fact that Saul's family was dead except for one of Jonathan's sons, and he brought him into his home instead of doing what was socially acceptable and killing him. So today we're going to end up talking about emotions and our fierce emotions. We all have them. Some of us do really good at driving them down. Other of us, teenage girls, can go from zero to 60 like that. Yeah. And, and you're standing there going, what happened? What did I say that made her so angry or made him yell at me? What did I do? But what I've learned through my, man, how old am I? 42. <laughs> what I've learned in my 42 years on this earth, I think that's right, is... You don't, I know, I'm sitting here thinking, but yeah, that's right, I am 42, guys, wow. All right, I don't feel 42, but, well, sometimes I do. But we can go, even as a 42-year-old, I can go from zero to 75 like that, too. And I can tell you, even though he's probably going to yell at me after this service, so can Scott, <laughs> all right? So can Rachel, so can Gabe. I've seen it. We all can do it. We all have those fierce emotions. But David 
can give us a unique perspective into those emotions. David is one of those characters in the Bible that you not just see him through First and Second Samuel and not from a shepherd who was anointed king at about eight to taking Goliath down at around 12-ish to playing music for Saul when Saul started going crazy to running for his life because Saul was after him to winning battle after battle after battle in the name of God to becoming king to stepping out with adultery with Bathsheba to losing his firstborn son with her due to that consequence. We get to see David's mind frame through Psalms. We get to see David and his reaction and his needing to talk to God through those emotions. So, what are emotions? Any guesses? I had to look up the definition, and guess what? I was wrong. Jesus, always a good answer. Jesus is always the acceptable answer. Webster's defines emotions as a natural, instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationship with others. That's a whole lot going on right there. So I'm thinking, okay, I can see circumstances. I can see us being put into a situation where fear sneaks in. And if y'all know me, I'm scared of heights. So fear is huge for me. I know I shouldn't be afraid. I know I wasn't going to fall out of the ski lift into the rocks below me. But that didn't stop me from crying and screaming out, get me off this thing. All right? Circumstances will bring emotions on. Mood. How many of us woke up exhausted this morning? How many of us, it wouldn't take very much for us to lay into someone? All right? That plays into how our emotions deal with us. Relationships with others. Now, I wish I could say that being married to Scott for 20 years makes me, takes me longer to get angry with him. That is not the case, all right? He will feel my anger before anyone else will. Now, my children, Jensen, Brenna, Addison, Rachel sometimes, right? I tend not to get as angry with them, even when they push me. It's those relationships. They need me to be calm and collected. Now, I may get in the car on the way home and it will come out. But, so then I started thinking, okay, Rachel and I were at Radiant a couple of, year, couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago. For those of y'all that remember, it was the week that I almost fell coming up the steps, Okay. And one of the things we talked about was fierce emotions. And it never fails when you start talking about emotions. You put them into two categories. You have your good emotions and you have your bad emotions. All right? So let me hear some good emotions. Okay? Okay? 
love. So I had happiness, joy, excitement, love, affection, those kinds of things. So let's, let's hear about bad emotions. What are those bad emotions? Anger, disappointment, annoyance. Oh, that's a good one, anxiety. Okay, so I had anger, sadness, depression, and all of those. I feel like I'm really loud, guys. Am I good? So I have, I've always struggled, even when I was younger, understanding the concept of good emotions versus bad emotions. And here's why. In Genesis, if you go all the way back, we were made in God's image. He created us in his likeness. God has all of these emotions too. We see anger when he brought the flood. We see despair and sadness when Jesus was on the cross. We see excitement. Um, I've lost my place, but we'll get back there. So I've always struggled with that. Now I understand the physiology of emotions. When you're happy, endorphins kick in. And for those of y'all that don't know, endorphins bring you up. They, like, magnify everything in a positive way. And while anger is a negative emotion, or we, what we perceive as a negative emotion, that releases adrenaline. And what adrenaline does is it begins to put you in fight-or-flight mode. So that cortisol and those stress hormones start building up. And what happens if when we don't release those things? Our physical health starts being deteriorated. So emotions are normal. And they shouldn't, in my opinion, shouldn't be classified as a good emotion or a bad emotion. Simply because we're happy or we're angry. It goes back to the sin. It goes back to what our decisions are in the middle of that anger and what the consequences are that are going to dictate that. For example, happiness would be smiling, laughing, dancing, those kinds of things. But a bad form of happiness would be me running up and down the aisle throwing glitter. And I thought about it, but then I thought, no, I'd probably get in trouble for that. But that would not be, some of y'all would be very upset with me. Anger, the bad side of anger, would be me yelling and screaming at everyone around me. The good side of that would be me working through it and sitting down and talking about it. So each emotion has its good side and its bad side. So David gave us an example of many emotions and taking them to God through the Psalms. David was more than a warrior. He was more than king. He was also a human musician and wrote a lot of his thoughts down in song, which gives us an awesome example of coming to God with our emotional upheaval. And David had a lot. He was on that roller coaster all the time. So our main verse today comes out of Psalms and is five, Psalms 5, 1 through 2. Here's what it said. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. 
David knew that regardless of what was going on around him, regardless of what was going on in him and through him, God was going to be there to take it. God can handle our emotions. God can handle our anger. God can handle our happiness and our excitement to where we're just bubbling up and people want to smack you and tell you to sit down and be quiet. God can handle it when we can't pick ourselves up off the floor and we can't see a way out. He is there and he's willing. So we're going to look at Psalms 59. And the first thing we're going to talk about is anger. And the reason I picked anger is because all of us are angry at times. Anger is a very, I don't want to say popular, but popular emotion. Because we can get angry quickly. And a lot of times we hold on to it. Because what happens when we get angry? We don't want to talk to the person that made us angry. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We just want to be angry all by our little selves in our little corner and we're good. Right? So I looked up anger as well. So Webster's defines anger as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. So here's the question. And you don't have to raise your hand. It's just, you know. How many of us in this room have ever been angry? Ever at any point in your lifetime? That's right. I'll call you out. All right. How many of us have been angry in the last week? How many of us have been angry in the last two days? All right. Anger is it's just one of those emotions. So a lot of us have. And David had angry times as well. Psalm 59 was written when Saul had David's home surrounded and was trying to kill him. Now, I don't know if any of us have ever been in that situation. I really hope not. I personally have never been in that situation where my house was surrounded and I knew for certain they were coming for me. All right? Never been there. But pretty sure I would be upset. Pretty sure the anger would come. Yet, a lot of us probably would have reacted in that anger. We would have been thought processing what we had in our house to defend ourselves with. Who can we call to come help? And how are we going to get out of the situation? Now, who knows what David did? He called the one person he knew he could get a hold of. And that was God. So here's what Psalm 59 says. And we're not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to read parts of it. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie and wait for me? Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine, Lord. I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me look on my plight. You, Lord God Almighty, you who are the God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. Now, can you put yourself in David's shoes? I see David pacing his living room, and his hands are going as he's praying to God. 
He, he needs God to come now. It is getting bad. We see anger as a bad emotion, a negative emotion, because we become irrational when we're angry. But anger can also be used for good when we see it as a warning light. When we take it to God and we start to realize that there's something that we need to give to him, that we need to surrender. A lot of my anger comes from control. I need to control things. I have been angry with God. My grandfather passed away nine years ago. Was there anything that my grandmother or my dad could have done in that 30-minute, 45-minute span that could have changed the projection of what happened? I don't think so. But it weighed on my dad for months. For those of you that don't know, we live with my parents. We help take care of them. And for months, my dad would pace the floor. He would pace the hallway all night long. And it would wake Scott and I up a lot of times we live. Our room is just directly across the hall. I wasn't angry that my grandfather was gone. He was where he needed to be. He was where he wanted to be. Now, I was upset. I cried. I probably cried now. But what I was angry over was that my dad couldn't process the emotions that he was dealing with so that he could move on. Now, he has. He has resolved a lot of those emotions. But I was so angry. I'm like, why are the words my brother and I and my mom and my grandmother and everyone around us, why is he not listening? Why does he not get it? God, take this from him. He was working a full-time job at that point, and he was up all night long, and he worked all day long. I was angry, and it took God working through me to get through that anger. We've all been there. But at 3 o'clock in the morning, God could handle my anger. God didn't take it at that moment. It took some work through me, too. It took some work through Scott because we struggled with that. We didn't know how to help him. We didn't know how to fix it. I couldn't just take it from him. But I didn't need to take it from him, and that was what I had to work through. He had to deal with it himself. Thankfully, he, he got through that. But we've all been there. And it doesn't matter how angry you are. It doesn't matter how loud, how ugh, your prayer is. He can handle it. Don't be afraid to give it to him. The next psalm we're going to be in is Psalm 142. And this one is about despair. And despair according to Webster's, is the complete loss or absence of hope. And as I was reading through it, I was thinking, wow. Like, despair's bad, but I'm not quite sure I've ever lost complete hope that there wasn't just an inkling that it was going to be okay. But how many of us have been there? We've been in the fetal position on the floor, whether it's been in a hospital room, whether it's been in our bedroom, whether it's been in a room back here. We don't see a way out. We have zero hope that things are going to change. We can't stop crying. Have we been there? 
where the tears just come and they come and they come. And you think, okay, I'm cried out. There, there can't be anything left. And guess what? 30 minutes later, what are you doing? You're crying. You're still reaching for the Kleenex. And you're thinking, God, why am I still here? Why can't I see the light at the end of the tunnel? Where's that hope that you tell us is there? David found himself in this position a lot. The one time that jumped out at me was right after his and Bathsheba's son died. And God told him exactly why he died. And David struggled with that. If you remember, he put on those rough clothes and he was tearing his clothes and he was weeping openly. I couldn't imagine losing a child at any stage in life. But to know it was because of a choice I made, how much harder would that be as a parent? A decision I made took my son away. So here's what Psalm 142 says. I cry out loud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint, and before him I tell him my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry out to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set, my free from my, set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather around me because of your goodness to me. David was in a desperate situation. And once again, he didn't pick up his phone and call his best friend down the road. Hey, I need you to come over. He went to the one person that he knew would always be there. And that was God. Saul had him trapped yet again. He didn't see any way out. But this is exactly how we feel when life gets to be too much when the calendar fills up when the kids are going in 15 different directions when you and your husband are sitting at night trying to figure out how the next day is going to work when your boss at work is giving you 15 different things to do and you have no idea how it's going to get done when you get that phone call 2 a.m your wife, your, well, not your wife, I'd hope your wife would be there, but your mom, your daughter, your son, your grandchild, your aunt, your uncle, your grandparent, whoever has been rushed to the ER. We don't know what's going on. Can you get there? We're in a different situation now. We can't just walk into the hospital anymore. So now you're sitting by the phone and you're waiting. You're waiting for the text. What's going on? What do I need to do? David's insecurity gets to him when he says, no one who acknowledges me and no one cares for my soul. 
Now, was he talking about God in that? No. He was talking about his friends. He was talking about his family. He felt abandoned. How many of us have been there? And we feel like we're it. It's all going to fall here. But once again, David gives us the little solution. God never left David. And he will never, ever leave us. So when our persecutor seems stronger than ever before, never forget God. He never forgot you. And David took his anguish and his despair to God. And so can we. In those moments of uncertainty, in those moments when you have no idea what is coming next, reach out to God. Because he'll take your hand and he'll walk with you. He'll drag you if you need to. And sometimes he picks you up over his shoulder and he carries you right along the way. But he is always there. And I know what you're thinking. When you're in that moment when you cannot see a glimmer of hope, how do we pray? How do we reach out? And sometimes it's just a simple word. Sometimes it's just God. And the tears come. And as he works through you and he works around you, you start to see that glimmer of hope. And you're able to take that next step. We may not know what that next step is, but we take it nonetheless. He's always there in our darkest times. Now, I'm not going to end up on two bad emotions. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. It's not in me. So we're going to end on happiness and joy. All right, what is happiness? Jesus. Jesus and joy. So I put these two together because I think happiness is an us emotion. We know what happiness is like this. But joy, a little bit different. Joy comes straight from God. All right. Now, for those of y'all that don't know, we're doing Fruit of the Spirit on Wednesday nights in the kids program. And joy, when we did joy, they're like, joy is happiness. And I'm going, yeah, but it's a little bit more. Can you be joyful through the tears? And they're like, hmm. Nah. No, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, yeah. Because you can be sad that your grandmother passed away, but you can be joyful in the fact that she is with Jesus. She's with her husband. She's with her children. She's with her parents, whatever. You can still be joyful through the tears, and that is that difference. And it, sometimes they just look at me like, mm, okay, we're going with it because you said it, but maybe one day. So joy is ever-present in our bodies. It comes straight from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit living in us. And it should be there. It should be there through the anger. It should be there through the despair. It should be there through the sadness. It should be there through anything that we go through. Joy has the ability to take over everything. It is God living through us. And I missed my page. 
All right, this is Psalm 16. We're going to read out of that for just a second. We're going to start in verse 2. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more, and I will not pour out libation of blood to such gods or take up their name on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lives have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance, and I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes away. I keep my eyes always on the Lord, and with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of light, or path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. King David was a good example of a fervent believer in the Lord who at times struggled to find joy in his life. Even David, whom God described as a man after his own heart, and praises God with so much zeal that he danced even though his clothes were falling off, struggled to find joy. David, the boy with the faith to knock out Goliath and the author of so many psalms, lacked joy at times too. But always remember, it is there even when we can't feel it. God is always present. He is always ready to listen. Always ready to listen. And he can handle our wide array of emotions. So here's what I'm going to leave you with. Three things. Our human experiences can be vastly different. We're not all going to feel or express our emotions in the same way. So when we have someone who is struggling through anger and we're thinking, why did that make you angry? That wasn't that big of a deal. We're all going to see it a different way. And a lot of times when we go to God through this process, he sees, he looks at us and what we see through our eyes. And then he turns us around and he makes us see it through the other person's eyes. And it's in that process that we can begin to work through it. Number two, we are a broken people living in a fallen world. The choice, the decision, and the consequences are daily. I wish I could say they weren't, but they are. How we exhibit our anger, how we exhibit our despair, our sadness, our depression, all of those things. And number three. Our faith can have a significant impact on our emotional lives. Take them to God. He can handle them, and he can walk with us as we work through them as well. So here's what I want you to take away. We can go from zero to 60 like this. It's our human nature. It's what we're built to do. But it's how we exhibit those emotions and how we deal with others through those emotions that make us different. We need to take them to God and let him figure it out with us. Let's pray real quick. Lord, sometimes our emotions get the best of us. We don't know how to handle them. We don't know what to do with them. We don't know how to work through them. We don't know 
what tomorrow is going to look like sometimes when we go to bed angry and we wake up and we just don't know. Help us always remember that you're there. You can handle our emotions. They're your emotions too. You gave them to us. Let us bring them to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys probably know this song and sing along with me. We celebrate the amazing friend that we have in Jesus. there. I should have opened the hymnal. It's in the hymnal. 
Remember Alani's party today from 2 to 4, and you are good to go. Have a good week.